Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you for our new adults in this body. Thank you for our new babies in this body. Thank you for the, the young people who are growing into following you. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to influence them, to point them to you, to demonstrate what it's like to walk with you. Jesus, we ask that you would make us who you want us to be. We ask that you would show us your way. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, that's a perfect segue into some of, some of what I'm going to share. So uh, those of you who have been praying for us know that my mother died and we had her funeral on Friday, visitation on Thursday. And uh, this is a, actually a perfect segue into talking about her because that what you just read in Scripture about how when you lay down, when you walk up, when you're walking, when you're driving, when you're doing anything, you should be showing what, who God is and demonstrating that. I, today I want to talk about the gospel according to Ruth Rasmussen, my mom. And usually we get, so this is my Mother's Day sermon I didn't get to give because um, the women did an amazing thing. I have a, I have a feeling I'm never going to get to give another Mother's Day sermon because the women were so good. Um, so I, this is my chance. Um, but that thing of walking in a way that people can demonstrate. So there's a story I wasn't going to tell, but just a couple weeks ago, I was with um, someone who, who is at Bethany Global University, Elizabeth Strand, Paul Elizabeth Strand. Uh, Elizabeth Strand, her dad was a drunk. Their family was a mess. But her dad was related to, worked with a guy who was starting a church out in, the no, in nowhere in Dewey Berea, uh, outside of Superior, Wisconsin, where they lived. And so he sent them, dropped them off at this little church that met in a railroad car that they got. And uh, my mom taught him, taught Elizabeth Strand as a teenager. And at some point along the way, because of all this influence, the father was so bad off, he came and got saved, and then Elizabeth saw how he changed, and she got saved as a teenager, and then she ended up becoming a nurse, and then becoming a missionary in Indonesia for 15 years, and then the wife of the president of Bethany Global University, and she's still serving God at uh, some 80-something, uh, I can't remember exactly how old she was, and I was visiting her because we were out of Bethel Global University, I'm going to speak for their missions convention, but her husband wasn't there, he was in Dar es Salaam teaching missions to Tanzanian missionaries who are connected with, with us. And uh, this is a long way for it. It's, <laughs> so this stuff starts early. So Psalm 92 says, You brought me safely out of my mother's womb, and you taught me to trust you at my mother's breast. So I want you to know that as kids, as nursery workers, as mothers and fathers, we are putting that foundation there that when they don't even, even pre-conscious, pre-verbal, pre-everything, they have that trust because they know they are loved. So this past couple of weeks, um, one of us asked my mom, uh, did you ever doubt that God really loved you? She said, no. No, I never did. Never doubted that God loved her. She 
trusted Jesus. And I, I'm trying to, when I looked over my mother's life, I tried to think, what is the theme, the thing that holds it together? And I'm going to tell you what that is in a little while. But there's some things I wanted to, I wanted to read a couple, of, uh, a couple of passages, how she was raised. So we live in a day when we are into celebrities, Christian celebrities, usually people, maybe they either had an amazing salvation from a terrible life, or else they're young and they're hip and they're, they can play guitar really well, or, or they're a fantastic speaker, whatever. And because we follow celebrities, and then a lot of our celebrities are now like, you know, I was famous for kissing, dating, goodbye. Now I decided I'll just kiss God goodbye, kiss my wife goodbye, and maybe I'll be famous for that. We're following these celebrities wherever they go just because they want to be celebrities. But there's something about the rock solidness of faith of generations of church. My daughter just wrote a blog. Hannah just wrote a blog. She also wrote this book with her mom, grandma. Um, but she, she said in her blog, you know, I tried to, be, I tried to do self-care. And it didn't work. I finally realized I needed community care. I couldn't do it by myself. She got depressed. She, she needed to come, come back home for a little bit and, and get on her feet again. And you know what? She said, actually, it takes generations to build structures of support. And folks, we are trying to do self-care all by ourselves. We're trying to get some kind of quick fix, some kind of pill you can pop, get a, a you know, multivitamin that will make you live forever. That's not the way it goes. It's habits of daily walking and walking with those you're walking with and showing them the way that makes a difference. So my mom, uh, she, she talks a little bit here about, I thank the Lord for the godly heritage I enjoyed from my infancy. This is my mom talking. I was privileged to be raised in a Pentecostal home in a good church. My parents were both born-again Christians and active in a good Bible-preaching church, the Duluth Gospel Tabernacle, which had been started nine years before she was born. Uh, she started going there before this church was born, 92 years ago. Um, my dad was the head usher and was on the trustee board. My mom taught Sunday school for years. We were at church practically every time the doors opened. We also had family worship, reading the Bible and praying together. You've heard the saying, God has no grandchildren. I could not inherit salvation from my parents. The Bible says all have sinned. I can remember deceit in my little heart, lying when afraid to tell the truth or cheating to get a good grade. And I'm going to go on to talk about the next piece she has here in a little bit, the next paragraph, where she says what she did to deal with that sin that she lived with, that we all live with. But here's the thing. She, <laughs> my mom, and I'm going, to, I'm going to flip ahead. Just, this is a, so I had to speak at my mom's funeral along with my other five kids because that's what she wanted, all six of us kids to, to uh, share that was a different challenge because there everybody knew her, everybody had been loved by her, and I, I was talking about her. Today I want to talk about, mostly not her, but about the Jesus who she served. And you guys don't know her, so I've got to give you a little clues about, <laughs> about who she was. I mean, some of you know her. Um, this is some of what... So, so she, uh, she finished uh, high school a year ahead. She finished college a year ahead. She was actually valedictorian of her UMD class. It wasn't called UMD yet. Uh, she still had a few classes left to do, and at, 19, at 20, she went to teach in the Barnum Schools, 1945. 
And she said, God, if you'll get me through this class. She had no prep period. And pr her first year teaching, she was doing correspondence classes. Get me through this. And then the next year, she, she prayed and got the home ec job. And uh, God seemed like God told her, if you'll pray, if you'll read the Bible to your kids. So she read it to one class. The next year, she read it to more classes. And she ended up reading the Bible to all of her classes and praying that the superintendent wouldn't find out. Um, but God did something in those times. And she wasn't particularly looking for a, a man, but the man came along who, uh, when, her, when uh, her sister was getting married in that little, that little railroad car, there was a man who'd just gotten out of, uh, out of the military in, in World War II. He actually was a conscientious objector, would, so that was a good thing because her father was in prison for World War I, not fighting. Um, so he had to be at least somewhat, even though he was in the war. <laughs> he didn't have a gun. That was, so it was okay. Uh, anyway, she, she, uh, she ended up marrying this guy um, who was going to North Central. But he was, of course, actually an eighth grade dropout. And uh, so he was a little insecure. So she never brought up the fact that she was uh, smarter than him. And, uh, you know, she, he, he knew it. He was rather insecure. So she did a lot of bolstering him. My brother Arlen mentioned that all of us inherited my dad's anxiety. Um, I, I got a, a, a letter from my cousin, said his mom was also rather anxious. They were best friends. Her, his mom was my mom's sister. Um, she had to hold up a lot of other people who were kind of anxious, but she was secure. Why was she secure? Because I just told you already. She knew Jesus. Jesus loved her. She trusted Jesus. So, um, how did she hang on to that? Um, she, she mentions, I received my first Bible before I was seven years old, and the Lord gave me a keen interest in reading it as soon as I could. For several years, I read three chapters a day and five on Sundays, so as to read it through in a year as a teenager, I remember finishing it for the seventh time. And pretty much that was her habit. Generally, unless she had some other Bible, it was through the Bible in a year. Um, I am thankful that long ago I had established the habit of beginning my day with God. This time in God's presence with my Bible and in prayer gave me a sense of well-being, a realization that I can trust God concerning the unknown. When I had five children under six, I had devotions in the afternoon during nap time. When I taught home ec in Grand Rapids, I had my devotions in the good grooming room during my vacant period. When I wasn't teaching, I had them after Virgil had gone to the office, the children had gone to school, and I had the dishes done about 10 a.m. God knows that I will meet him in my day, and he is able to prepare me for it. The important thing is to take time for daily devotions, whatever time of day. That was my privilege in Africa, too. That's where she is in the story. There, it seems, there were so many things that were beyond our control. It helped me cope with things that were scary or unpredictable and helped me even to enjoy things that could have been repulsive. It was great for Virgil and me to walk through parts of East Africa together. So how did she do East Africa in her 60s and 70s? Same way she did. 31, five kids, un, five kids under seven, and working full-time. Because the church didn't pay dad well enough to, to live on. Every her life wasn't easy, but God rewarded it. So what was the secret? It was Jesus who was trustworthy who was faithful, getting a hold of Jesus daily so she could trust him. Now, um, so <laughs> I'm going to, I had to read a little bit about, so Andrew just 
sold teaching in Sunday school so well, like nobody would want to do that. Or vacation Bible school, my goodness, please. I thought the people who actually do it did a fantastic job of saying, what a privilege. It's been fantastic. I get so much out of the kids. Um, my, my role as a pastor's wife has changed. My roles as a pastor's wife have changed during the years according to the needs. I've initiated things that need to be done. Um, most of the time I've taught Sunday school and Bible school, beginning with starting a Sunday school in Grigla the first fall we pastored. There were years that we did a lot of singing. Sometimes I played the piano, accordion, clarinet, or mandolin. I sang in the choir in Cloquet. I directed the junior choir for several years. They sang each Sunday morning. While there, I got a lot of fulfillment from teaching a ladies' Bible study at the church and part of the time one in my neighborhood. I ended up teaching this Bible study for over 50 years, except when we were away interim pastoring. So she was really looking for somebody to take over when she was 94. Um, and she found somebody. Most of the time, I've been my husband's personal secretary. I've lived, helped several people with their finances. We'll talk about finances in just a little bit. Our years of ministry have included a lot of hospitality. I have enjoyed working with evangelism and doing visitation. Our last years of pastoring in Cloquet, Virgil was so busy with administration that I put more miles on the car than he did visiting. God wonderfully protected me and my passengers over the year while transporting children for Sunday school or vacation Bible school and adults for church or Bible study. We never went to church by ourselves. We always had to pick somebody up. I enjoyed being a pastor's wife and felt it as much my calling as pastoring was my husband's calling. That's true. He would have quit a lot of times, but she was said, nope. It has been a busy life, but a very rewarding one. God has provided me such excellent health that I'm able to commit myself to do all the things I should do. Seeing people saved, their lives changed, and hurting people helped by God is so exciting. Did you hear that in the testimonies that the watching kids grow up to trust Jesus? Holding kids when they don't know that this is, so that church is just automatic. Now, I, so we were in church all the time, just like her parents were. I remember one time I was not in church on a Sunday morning, or even on vacation. We always had to bring some church clothes, and my dad tucked some notes into his Bible so that if he showed up and they said, well, Virgil's here, could you preach? Um, he'd be ready. Uh, but always, we were in church, uh, at least Sunday morning. Probably Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night was just the services, and then there were the Bible studies and the youth events. Um, and that provided a foundation and a community, and, you know, 250 people I knew. And I went back up to Cloquet now, and those people are there, and their kids, and their grandkids, and uh, living, living their life together. It's been amazing. Um, that church uh, tripled in size while they were pastoring it for 24 years. And it's continued to be a rock-solid thing. We've got a lot of stuff going back and forth with this church because it's also part of the Fellowship of Christian Assemblies. Uh, so my, my brothers and I came here from there. Uh, we sent Rich Dobler and Hollis Graves to pastor there. Dave Ogren, who was pastored in between, came here. We've, we've had a lot of back and forth with the, in the Fellowship of Christian Assemblies. A lot of loyalty. My mom was born in it. She died in it. Um, they, when, I, when I was marrying Jan, I, I said, you know, we're going to go to a Fellowship of Christian Assemblies church. She said, what? I thought we were going to explore all the churches and decide which denomination, which church we're going to be part of. I said, it's not because it's the right one. It's just because it's family. I can be a missionary, and these are the people who know me. Um, and that's, that's still the case. We're not the only good church in St. Paul. We're not going to do it by ourselves. We're not the best church in St. Paul. We're just our church in St. Paul. And it's a lot better to be committed to a decent church 
than to keep looking for the best church. Because you don't get the same kind of commitment from continuing to try to find a family that you do from being in a family. Um, so, you know, I, I, at the, uh, at the, um, at the, the funeral, I said I, I, wa I wanted to, to share with people what, what would my mom have said to them if she had a chance to say something to them. And one of her Sunday school kids, who's now probably 70, said, live for Jesus. I said, yeah, you're probably right. I think she would have said, Jesus loves you. Probably she would have said, thank you. She would have said, Jesus loves you. She would have said, I love you. She would have said, trust Jesus. So when I tried to put together all the things in my mom's life that made sense of why she was who she was, why was she resilient in all kinds of circumstances? Trust Jesus. Why was she courageous? Why was she content? Let me, let me read a couple of scriptures um, that she had memorized, of course, like lots of scriptures. Um, never played Bible trivia with my mom. Unless you want to lose and learn something. Um, if you have any, Philippians 2, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. So, i just give you a little clue. When it came to women in ministry, I have done significant study on it. My daughter's done more. And I'm convinced that women can do any ministry in the church because they're spirit-filled, they're... They, God anoints them, it's scriptural. But I'll admit I was biased before I started looking at it. Because my mom did ministry <laughs> her whole life and she didn't have any barriers about who she was teaching or whether they, were, whether they were pastors in Africa or kids in the Sunday school. She was happy to teach them all. I think I also was a little biased because she never asked for any title or position or honor. Um, she was very secure in who she was, and she just served. And uh, people honored her, but not necessarily with titles. So I think I'll admit that's a strength and a weakness of my own perspective, is that I think we have fantastic women in this congregation who do amazing ministry, and I sometimes forget to honor you. Because my mom never cared. <laughs> um, and I forget that sometimes people do care. And so we have fantastic ministers in this, including those on our staff, including Cherry, including Sylvia. And uh, we too easily call the guys pastors and make that a rank and not the women. And that's probably a, a problem for us that we need to be checking on. So will you be honoring in the ways we should? of the women who minister here on staff, on leadership, our elders, our, our deacons. So in case you have any questions about that, we've studied this repeatedly. In the 90s, we studied it again. We've repeatedly gone back to, can women minister and minister in any sense in a, as a senior pastor? Now, of course, we were founded by a woman. Our second pastor was a woman who my, who my mom knew before she even came to Bethel Christian Fellowship, Helen Jepson. So it's not a new thing for us. If it's new, it probably isn't true. So... Um, not a new thing for us, but uh, anyway, why was, so, so here's the humility that came with it. I just said that 
If any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the fear, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. I say that to you all as well. And it was good for us as kids to sit around my mom's. So I, I think I told you a little while ago that, that uh, the day before my mother's, well, the week before Mother's Day, we all gathered because my mom was going to die in a day or two. And since we were all there, she had such a good time, I don't think she could die. Um, she, she said, I won't be here for Mother's Day. I think I told you that. And uh, then uh, I said, I won't be. And she said, I'm going to die today. She was a teacher, not a prophet. Because um, she didn't die. And she said, it can't get more perfect than this. Jesus said it would be perfect. But it got more perfect. Because my sister was there for 25 days all day, along with others of us going in and out. And my sister, who wanted to be there holding her hand, my sister Lynette, wanted to be there holding her hand when she died, was there when she died. And my other sister had just left, which was great for me because she was, she was coming here. So when she arrived, when the news arrived that my mom and dad and, had died and Jan was gone, I could spend it with her. So it, it was perfect. And the hospice people who sat with her said, we have never seen a death like this so peaceful without medication. But my mom didn't want any medication. She wanted to be alert to the end, and she was. She couldn't respond the last few days, but she was alert to the end. And of course, she believed it could happen because she died with her mom. She cared for both of my grandmothers until they died in the home, my grandfather as well, which was a pain for us to put her in the nursing home because we thought, well, we can't do that when she didn't. Um, but she died in bed with my mom. And uh, my mom was sleeping through it. Uh, so it was peaceful. It was at, at she, in fact, the hospice uh, CNA was at the funeral. And, she, and I asked her about it. I said, so this is what I heard. She said, oh, yeah, absolutely. She said, well, she taught us something. It's like, yeah, of course she was, as she died. So I told you, I think, what her last words were. But I, I wanted to back up a little bit. So, so she died on Wednesday. She didn't. So the last thing she said on Sunday night, as my sisters were leaving, was, I love you. The day before, she said to her caretakers, one of them, she said, she managed to say, Jesus. And the caretakers, yeah, yeah, I know, you've been trying to get him, tell me you will, Jesus, and I'm, I'm going to try to get my life straightened out. And my, and my sister said, no, no, she just said, I, you can know Jesus. <laughs> um, so Linda had to step in and give the rest of the thing that she'd already given many times. Um, the People there loved my mom, as it turned out. You see, every time my mom got dragged into something new, she was able to somehow not regret or have bitterness. There was a lot of bad things that happened, a lot of hard things that happened. But every time she was able to reframe it, when my dad died, at first she said, oh, I wish I'd been there to say goodbye. Then she reframed it to, I'm so glad that Arlen was there. He could have been... And she reframed it to a positive thing. She saw what God was doing in everything. When she moved into this uh, government housing with a 400 square foot uh, apartment that she never wanted to be in. Initially that was the way you never wanted to be there. Then it was, this is where all the people are who need to be ministered to. And they became the pastors of Aspen Arms. And they had Bible study and they had church and they had pastor's corner. When she moved into the nursing home, when she was on hospice for two years at a catheter, couldn't stand, couldn't move, she reframed it to what can I do? 
what is Jesus doing now? When it went, I've told you this story. When she got COVID in the end of 2020, I thought she was going to die. I said, Mom, I think I'm going to lose you. She said, that would be a promotion. I said, uh, but she said, I won't die until I'm done with the work that I have to do. Jesus won't take me until I'm done. So, and as we sat with her in that nursing home, People were switching shifts, coming by. I'm not supposed to be on. I wanted to say goodbye to you. Thank you, Ruth. She had ministered to so many of the workers. So another worker came in and she said, I love you. Jesus. And the same thing happened. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I need to go to church. When it's, and, no, Jesus. So um, later in her life, uh, when I was in high school, she got into uh, evangelism explosion and really got a hold of, in a new way, grace. Um, and um, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Let me go back to the scripture I was just reading. Um, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So mom was a servant. That's how she loved people. Practiced hospitality. She, like her mother, always had donuts that she had made in the freezer so she could take them out and serve them to people. And anybody who came by, or if, it, if, not a turkey, if she had warning, it would be a turkey dinner. But if she didn't have warning, it would be fresh donuts or homemade bread. Um, she, she lived what she taught. She was a home ec teacher. She was a math teacher. She could do the tax. She did the taxes all the time. My dad one time said, well, maybe we're missing something. He brought him to H&R Block. H &R, she got him back, and she, she got a lot more savings out of him than H&R Block had found. Um, she taught people how to do finances. She lived very tight in her finances. They grew all our vegetables. They packed all our vegetables. They, they knew how to live on nothing so that they could be generous with their time. They gave away more after they retired at 62 than they made before. They retired. They were given like 28% before that, but when they retired, then they sometimes were giving half of their money. They were the biggest personal supporters we had for team. Sometimes $10,000 a year. Sometimes um, later it was $300 a month for, for just for Jan and I when, when uh, they didn't need the tax, the tax break. Sometimes we'd do our math and we'd say, how can we be surviving? And they'd say, oh yeah, mom and dad uh, are, are giving us. Maybe somehow this doesn't add up <laughs> that our our our, in, our expenses equal what our income is supposed to be, but we didn't have that kind of giving, so we didn't get that salary. Somehow, they made it, and this is the crazy thing. They retired at 62 with $15,000 in IRA. Top salary they'd made was $24,000. And she said, Dad was worried about finances. I was worried that he'd have something meaningful to do. Um, and God gave them interim pastorates they, and then they'd come to Africa for six, six months at a time or so. They were there six times um, teaching. They loved teaching the Bible school students. 
She taught evangelism to Bible school students. One of them went and planted 50 churches from there, one who we visited. Another one is still teaching a Bible school. She, she loves seeing things happen with that. But the, um, the thing is, why was she this? I'll tell you, I'm just going to tell you the secret again. Trust Jesus. Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord, I will, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. I think she was naturally an anxious person, but she did this. But in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus gave her peace. So this is not really about Jesus, about my mom. It's really about Jesus, okay? Jesus was faithful. I told you all that about the finances. She was in the nursing home for over two years, on hospice for two years, private paying. The money ran out. She, 62, they had $15,000. At 97, she was still paying $10,000 a month to be in the nursing home. I know it doesn't make sense after giving away half her income most of the time. But Jesus was faithful. And why did they give that much? Because they loved to see what Jesus was doing with, and they wanted to be part of it. And they trusted him that he'd take care of the rest of it. And he'd promised them he would take care of the rest of it. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. My mom read a lot. She didn't read a lot of news. We got our first TV at four, when she was 47. I was nine. She never watched it anyways. Um, we would tease her about watching soap operas and eating bonbons, but it never happened. Maybe 10 hours her whole life. Her, she was not consumed with the big stuff. She was consumed with what was right in front of her. The people she knew, how could she serve them? How could she love them? So many of us, including me, get concerned about all the big stuff. Now, she was praying for missionaries all over the world. She was praying. She was given to national workers in Liberia when she was still teaching. Um, and she was concerned about the world, but not the way we get concerned about it. She was concerned about the kingdom. I rejoice greatly um, that you've con renewed your concern for me. So she had so many places where people helped them out. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And she testified to the kind of contentment that she had all along. Because Jesus. Trust Jesus. It wasn't because she saw it. Now, when her kids were going off and doing things she didn't want him to do, not living for the Lord. She prayed, and she trusted Jesus. Um, my mom never wore jewelry, seldom wore a skirt. She, she wore this bracelet, the last from Christmas time, because this is what they were preaching on. Pray, wait, trust. Now, most of her life, it was pray, work, trust. They weren't in conflict. She was trusting God and working. And trusting God to give her the energy to work. But this is what she was doing at the end. 
pray, wait, trust. You prayed for years for kids and grandkids. Um, and this is what she said in her will. Um, Our dear family, I'm thrilled with the work that the Lord has done in each of your hearts and lives. It's wonderful to know that all of our descendants love Jesus and are serving him in their unique, their own unique ways. That's amazing. She had six kids, and we are not, we've had our, but by now we're all serving Jesus. Fifteen grandkids, same there. Eighteen great-grandchildren. God has enabled you to do for me that was all about praying thus through. They, my mom and dad prayed for all of the, every person, all of those that I just mentioned by name, including all of our concerns, including then all of the other churches and concerns and people around the world in the morning. In the evening, they just prayed through all of those, all the family. Now she wasn't able to remember everybody, so she'd ask us to pray. Pray through everybody. And every time we visited her or, or caught her on the grand pad, it was always, okay, let's pray. I had to do that before he left. So God has enabled you to do for me, do more than God, Dad and I have been able to accomplish. We're multiplied in our children and grandchildren. Likewise, Bethel Christian Fellowship, we're multiplied in our children and grandchildren. I'm thankful that I was raised by Christian parents whose priority was serving Jesus. My mother praised the Lord audibly while she worked in her kitchen. We as a family were faithful in church. I'm thankful for the godly husband, your father, whom God granted me. Maybe one day be an undivided family in glory. That was her desire. So she had two questions I mentioned to you that she often liked to ask. I came out of evangelism explosion. If you were to die tonight, are you sure you would go to heaven? And she lived it. She was so sure she was going to heaven. We, when we came, because they'd said that uh, she was maybe only had a couple days left, she, resp- she came, I'm going to heaven. They said, I'm going to heaven. She was so excited about it. You can know. Do you know that you can know that you're going to heaven? You can know that you're going to be with Jesus when you die, and then when he comes back, you're going to be resurrected into a new body to live forever? You can know that. Then she'd ask a second question. If you were to, and that's, I'd like to ask you the same question. If you were to stand before God and he asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? What would you say? When she got there, (laughs) my mom would not say, I was always in church. I was always serving in church. My my lips never touched alcohol, tobacco, profanity, or any man's lips other than Virgil's and my boy's. She would not say that. Guess what she would say? Jesus. Absolutely. She trusted Jesus. So I want to flip back to where she said, God has no grandchildren. She says, God loves us all so much that he doesn't want to punish us. But being a just God, he cannot just overlook our sins. He solved this problem by sending his only son, Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay the penalty for our sins and purchase a place in heaven for us that he offers to us as a free gift that we can receive by faith, by trusting in Jesus Christ alone. Trusting in Jesus Christ alone for eternal life. 
The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your house. I took God at his word and received eternal life when I was just a young child, although I don't remember the event specifically. One of her favorite verses was in Ephesians 2. See, she learned that it wasn't about doing all that stuff. She, she grew up with maybe a little more legalistic bent, that maybe all that stuff added up to somehow being more loved by God. But she learned that it was all about trusting Jesus and his sacrifice. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 says this, For it is by grace you've been saved through, get, through faith. And this not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. She did not boast. I'm not boasting about her. God did stuff. It's a gift. So if she were here, I know what she'd ask you. Are you trusting Jesus? Primarily for eternal life. So that you'll see him in heaven. And then maybe there's some other things you need to trust Jesus for. Maybe it's your kids and your grandkids. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's finding a place to be useful, even in retirement. Maybe it's, I don't know, health. Trust Jesus. He loves you. And he answers prayer. He said it was great to live to 97 so she could see so many prayers answered. Some that took her decades. It goes on. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we're saved by grace. We live by grace. But he also gave us great things to do. At the end of the day, she'd say, thank you, Jesus, for everything we accomplished today. It was all about Jesus. So we have opportunity to do good things, not to earn anything. Just trusting Jesus. But there is a reward after that resurrection. There is a reward for the things that we have done just in grace. And there is a reward now. God rewarded my mom. For trusting Jesus. Even though it was all grace. Can we pray together? Lord, we want to be united with you in glory. We want to be united together. Jesus, we ask you to, to welcome us into your heaven. We know you've prepared the way by sending your son to die for us. It's nothing we have done. God, we want to trust you for eternal life. And we want to trust you for everything else in our life. Because you are faithful. You are trustworthy, powerful. You love us. God, if we could just see who you are, it would not be hard. It isn't hard to serve you, to love you, to spend time with you. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to be with you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.